Man, it's a treat and an honor to be with you. I, I love your pastors and just appreciate their thought pattern. Uh, I know I say this a lot, but normal is so stinking cool. Thank you, Jesus. And isn't it wonderful? You can invite anybody to your church. You know they're going to be fed. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be strengthened. They're going to find out who they are in Christ. And the number one thing is they're going to see what Jesus did for them 2,000 years ago. The, pre- the predominant thing in this church is Jesus is exalted. He be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. So there's, there's something about him being exalted. You know, you get around some people and they talk about their ministry and their call, blah, blah, blah. I want to hear about Jesus. Come on, amen. And I know uh, you guys have had great moves of God's over the years. And, and uh, you, I remember being in the other building over there and then uh, many times before coming in this building. You have such a cool place. I believe you'll just max it out right up before the rapture. I, I personally believe you'll be having church 24 hours a day. Pastor Mike, go, you take service 7 to 9, you take it 9 to 11, you take it 11 to 1, you take it 1 to 3. So be studious, be ready to go. <laughs> be ready to, to fire away about how wonderful Jesus is. And you know, I know a lot of you drive a long ways. In 1970, my mom got a hold of the word. We drove from Shreveport, actually north of Shreveport, Louisiana, to Houston, Texas, seven hours to go to church. John Osteen's church. And because uh, my mom was so hungry for the word, we didn't know where any word was. So, so we, she goes, we're going seven hours. And my dad gets, told my mom, you've lost your mind. <laughs> and uh, my dad would take me to bars. And he said, now that religion of your mom's, it'll wear off. He didn't know it was the incorruptible seed. Hallelujah. Mom would haul me to meetings and dad would haul me to bars. Well, mom won out. Hallelujah. There's something about hearing the word. Praise God. It's just good. You remember John Osteen telling those stories? I always liked listening to him because he was so kind, but also so bold. He told the story one time of a pastor that was afraid of the devil. Isn't that insulting that there's a minister afraid of the devil? And here uh, John Osteen said this minister had a vision. All of a sudden, the very thing he was afraid of, the devil appears to him in this dark cavern, walking over toward him. And John Osteen said that pastor was standing there freaking out, going, there's the devil coming right toward me. What am I going to do? And he was making all the noise. I guess the devil makes, I don't know. And that preacher's freaking out. All of a sudden, Jesus appeared right in front of that preacher and, and with his back to that preacher. And as Lucifer walked up, Jesus backed into that pastor. And Jesus said, because I live in him, you've got to get on your knees and bow. So you've got somebody living in you. That when Jesus came into town, demons started screaming out, Have you come to torment us before the time? Instant submission. Before Jesus said a word, the devil was backtracking. Hey, 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 be cool. Don't, don't hurt us now. Hurt us later. It's all, all is good. Yeah, you bet. Now, that's what he thinks when you walk in the room. That's what you carry with you. You carry this treasure in earthen vessels. So we're privileged to be carriers of that and have a mission and, and have a thought pattern that we've got to let people know Jesus died for us. So think about your life has been altered and raised up. Somewhere someone prayed for all of us. I think about maybe my grandfather. He was a traveling evangelist, a Baptist evangelist. He must have proclaimed things over my mom. And when my mom got filled with the Holy Ghost, I talked about it last night, she got filled with the Holy Ghost, man. Uh, confession packs and going to meetings, going to church every night. We're hungry, praise the Lord. And there's something about you being here on Tuesday night. It's hard to get a deposit if you're not there, so you're here. So thank you. Thank you for coming. And I know we've gotten into a lot, so I don't know where to start tonight. So grab your Bibles, <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'll talk a little bit before we go where to start. I've got like 50 things coming to me. Let me give you a couple of cool stories. Go to First or Second Peter, and you just pick out which one you think is cool. And it's okay to have fun in church. I think sometimes I'm so silly that it freaks people out. But uh, you know what? I'm not going to change. I will be sillier uh, as the days get longer. Amen. Uh, Brother Copeland said the Lord told him he wouldn't have had a serious thought if it wasn't for the fall, that everything would be silly. 
Wigglesworth used to hide behind doors in England and jump out and scare people. I thought, glory to God, now I have, I have ammunition to be silly, praise the Lord. Brother Hagin always did stuff like that. He would pinch you on your arm, and there'd be a bruise for four weeks where he pinched you on his arm, just being silly. So the, the people that we think are so spiritual, now if someone's trying to act spiritual, that tells me they never pray. Well, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. If you see people always kind of walking around, kind of, whoa, no, 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 hiya, that tells me, hello. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. Bless you. You know, uh, this is how cool God is. I was in uh, Australia. I preached in Brisbane at the Rama Australia with, with Tony and Patsy. And then I flew over to Sydney to preach there. And as thank God the music minister made their daughter come to church that day. The music minister said their daughter was about 16. So whatever you do, you make her come to church today. Because I was going to preach on end times. And she had said, I don't want to hear about end times. You know, and she, she goes, I don't want to go. Or her dad and mom made her go, drug her to church. Well, I was preaching along and, uh, in that service there in Sydney, and I could see her. She wasn't excited because, you know, your face communicates whether you're getting it or not. Uh, 57% of, of communication is facial expression. 30-some percent is body language. 7% of what someone says is, is what they get. So all these other things, you're communicating with your facial expression. She was communicating with her facial expressions that she was not happy to be there. That you could go, my dad and mom drugged me here. I don't like this. I hate end times. Blah. So I kept preaching, you know, on end times. End of the service, I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their tailbone. And I called out and said, you're healed. Next thing you know, the service is over. You know how you kind of stand around and talk for a minute. That little girl and her family come walking down. She's bawling uncontrollably. She goes, I'm sixth in the nation in pole vaulting. And I, the last time I pole vaulted, I slipped and busted my tailbone. She said, I'm sitting there in service, not liking anything about it. And Jesus heals my tailbone. So he's just so good. He's just good. Uh, one thing thought made me remind of something last night. A 13-year-old came up to me and said he had whiplash. said he had no more whiplash. He's sitting there in his seat. He's called out and he's healed. I was in a service and there was a football player that had been stung really bad in a game the night before. Didn't tell his parents how bad he was hurting because they knew they wouldn't let him play. This was this last fall. And I had a word of knowledge about a rib cage and shoulder and uh, just said, you're healed. This young man came down, was bawling. He goes, I have no pain in my shoulder, no pain in my rib cage. God's just so cool. He'll take care of damage. It's just amazing. I've told you the stories. I saw a woman get poked in the eye with a fork in Bartlesville. Her sister had poked her in the eye with a fork. Came down and got healed. Saw a woman fly fishing. A woman fly fishing in Birmingham, Alabama and catch the hook in her eye. Scott Webster. Then I saw a woman fall down a flight of stairs. Then I saw a man get run over by a car. And the man was sitting right there on the front row. So, so God's so cool, he'll heal damage. Yeah. <laughs> Not just disease. Remember he said before Abraham was, I am. He said a greater one than Solomon is here. So we are so blessed that he died for us. So if you're here tonight and you've got trouble with your body in some area, take authority over it. Say, no, 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 I demand this in Jesus' name. T.L. Osborne says, a doubter often prays for things they already possess. Hmm. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Now, we have a lot to get into, so that was my appetizer, okay? So that was my, that was my start. Father, we thank you for everyone that came tonight. Thank you for this wild bunch on Tuesday night that would come hear your word. We're so approaching your return, Lord. So we thank you for an accelerated mentality to launch out and to do your bidding. Father, we all uh, surrender our hearts tonight to do your will. Whatever you want us to do, Lord, we say we're, we're in. We're in. We'll, we'll do whatever you want us to do. We know that we want our lives to count. We want our, our actions to count. We want every person in this room to be a voice and a witness of your kindness, your mercy, and your goodness. Father, help us show forth that Jesus was raised from the dead. 
And Lord, everything you've given this church, Lord, all the things uh, that have been spoken over this church, we thank you for a renewal of assignments. We thank you for equipment that people would be laden in their heavenly equipment to do the harvest right here before Jesus comes. We thank you for souls being swept into the kingdom. And we know, Lord, as we get into these truths, you'll be magnified. You'll be exalted. You will be lifted up in this room. We thank you for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. So, Sunday morning, we got into the signs of the coming of the Lord, the second coming signs. We know the rapture's signless. Second coming has tons of signs. Went through kind of all of them, and I'll shotgun them to you for a minute because I want to get into something different tonight. I mean, we'll get into end times tonight, but I want to keep moving forward. We talked about Israel being reestablished in our lifetime, Jerusalem being won back. How cool is that? Jesus said the group that sees that, you're the last group. So, what a, what a destiny on our lives to be the last generation of the church age. Wow, crazy, crazy, crazy. You almost have to pinch yourself. Uh, but the Lord said, that group that sees those two, you're it. And then we got the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. You got the Temple Mount Institute. You got 172 different species of predatory birds. You got fish showing up in the Dead Sea. You got foxes showing up on the Temple Mount. This happened today. I studied for this for the EDU. I'm going to shoot my weekly deal tonight after the service. Uh, today, the Temple Mount got ac water access for the Jews, first time in 2,000 years. Because, <laughs> see, there's all these people in position that are pushing for things so they can have temple service on the Temple Mount, because that's going to happen right after we're raptured. The, the police chief for Jerusalem said, we got to get up on that Temple Mount. The police chief before said, we can't get up on the Temple Mount. It'll cost too much trouble. All these different things are falling into place. Many, many more things. Men will be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. Let's take a few pictures of ourselves. Praise the Lord. Amen. How weird. <laughs> Whatever. Who would have ever told you 50 years ago that people will walk around going, I'll take more pictures of me. Hallelujah. How weird is that? But anyway, uh, so we have all those. Then you got the blood red moons. You have the Bethlehem star. Uh, uh, remarkable. I mean, all these things are in place. Uh, secular magazines, secular newspapers in the uh, Middle East saying it's as though Turkey is completely circling Israel to attack Israel. And that's what Erdogan said, the prime minister of Turkey, said, we're going to ascend to the Temple Mount and take the Temple Mount from the Jews. He said, we'll call on all of Islam. I haven't even got into that as a sign, but the Bible said Islam would come to the forefront right for the coming of the Lord. They flew planes into buildings in New York City. I mean, can't come much more to the forefront than that. So we're blessed. We got all these tangible, physical things that you can check through checklists, okay? How can I tell I'm living right before God comes to the planet? Check one, check two, check three, check four. You got about 50 checks you can do. So the Lord's overwhelming us with information to tell us there's a change coming. So knowing there's such a big change coming, let's alter how we're living right now. Pray more, hear the word more, be kinder, be sweeter. Don't fit church into your life. It is your life. If there, I mean, I, Colleen and I attend a church in Tulsa. We go to Mark and Janet Brzee's church. I, I, if, I won't be able to go tomorrow night because I think I land right about when church starts. But when I'm home, I'm in church. Even though I'm in church all the time, but I'm still in church. I want to get fed. I tell Pastor Mark, you ram the word down my throat. I don't want you to let, leave, don't leave anything out. I want it so bold that it makes me choke. Mm, I think I'll do Elvis on that one. Come on. No, I want, I want strong word. That'd be like going to a steakhouse and going, can, can, I, can I just have some lettuce? No, I don't want lettuce at a steakhouse. I want a steak. So God's filling us with so much strength because there's such a destiny to do some things right here before the Lord comes back. So with all that, grab your Bibles there and turn over to 2 Peter, and we'll start here 
and we'll, we'll get into something tonight that I think is probably the most important thing that I could ever preach on. And you've heard it before, but I want to get into it. It's about our destiny here, right before the coming of the Lord. I didn't get, in, didn't get a chance to get into it last night. I felt like I was supposed to do it tonight. So go to 2 Peter chapter th- uh, 1. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse... Gosh, it's all so good, but buzz down to verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruptions in the world through lust. And then he tells us to do some things here to shore up our strength. He says, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness. So he tells us some common sense things to do to, to get stronger, which we always could use that. You know, I don't know about you, he said to add these elements to your faith. And when I was in school, in in chemistry, there was a cabinet there that said, whatever you do, don't add these elements together. Well, that's the first cabinet I went to, of course, because I won't change. I I want the elements rocking, you know. So here he's saying, add these elements to your faith, and it'll cause you to change. And the first element he said there was virtue. Now, that's the word valor. It's not really the word moral purity. In the Greek, it's the word uh, daringness or boldness. We'd call it uh, wildness. Uh, this is the, the interpretation that I read, which was the coolest one, was a lack of caution to your faith. Because, you know, right nowadays, everything in church is so cautious. Oh, did I offend you? Is everybody okay? Everybody's so fragile. i got to make sure I don't say anything that might hurt someone's feelings. Dear God. So why don't we just bring a bunch of diapers to church? Come on. I was preaching in the church in California, the Ray Jean's church, and the Lord told me that uh, there were some people in the church attacking him. We'll get to my message here in just a second. You guys will love this. So, uh... I get to Ray Jean's church and I had a vision like the line of a football team, like the front line letting people to get through to the quarterback. Normally, you protect the quarterback. So the Lord said, that's what's happening here is people should be protecting the pastor and they're not protecting him. They're letting people to get through to get him. So I told Colleen, I said, honey, go get me some, uh, a couple big boxes of uh, uh, Depends undergarments. She goes, what? I said, go get me two big old things that depend on their garments. We'll see what happens tomorrow. So I preached a little bit on the coming of the Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I said, now this is what's going on in this church. And I took those depends on their garments, and I put them over my pants. I said, look how weird this looks to be having to wear diapers. I said, that's what the church looks like. He got real quiet. And then I tried to make it silly. I started throwing diapers everywhere, you know. I said, so we're acting like babies, not protecting our pastor. So, of course... I go back to Ontario, California, where the Hertz rent-a-car thing is, and they never talk to you out in front of the rent-a-car place then, but as I pull into the rent-a-car place that time, I get out and get my luggage, and the man yells out across the deal with all these people there, you, you forgot your diapers, you forgot your, uh, your Depends undergarments, those are not mine, sure they're not. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. But no, the Lord wants us to grow up. He won't, he won't, it would be, wouldn't it be, now it's okay to be in here tonight, but if I came in tonight in diapers, you'd go, dude, what in the world's wrong with you? Because that's what the church looks like when it's fragile, when it's acting like it's not grown up and strong. You're so strong tonight. Get that pressed in your spirit how strong you are. There's a strength in you that no other generation ever had. So here he's saying, add these elements to your faith, it'll make you strong. So then let's go a little further. This is not even what I'm preaching on tonight, but we're going to get there. Praise the Lord. Here we go. He says in verse 8, If these things be in you and abound, they'll make you, you don't even have to pray about it, they'll make you that you're neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word barren there is the word idle. So if we add these elements to our faith, this wildness and kindness, it makes you productive. And that's what he's looking for is us to be producers. Not just feed me, feed me, feed me, but Lord, what, what can I put my hand to? 
At some point, now when Lauren, she's 32, she's got a baby, going to have another baby. Let's say she's 45 living at home. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want her to kind of pull her weight. But you know, not, not one time growing up did she go, Dad, relax, I got the house payment this month. Not once. You know, that would, I, I'd have fell out of the power. Boom, right there. Well, no, I'm not expecting her to because she's not that age. But if she was 60 living at home with me, I'd be going, Lauren, it's time to grow up. Here he says, you put these things in you, and they're in abundance. They make you a certain way. They make you productive. You're not idle. And that's what we're looking for. This is the hour. If you're in the huddle on the football team, could you imagine the quarterback going, I need you to go long, and the wide receiver goes, my knees are a little sore. Seriously? Could you imagine? In the, you're in the Super Bowl. We've got 18 seconds left. I need you to go deep post pattern. I'm a little sore. I got hit really hard last play. There's guys that probably broke their leg and wouldn't even say it, but they want to make sure they could make the play. That's got to rise up in the church. We get to where we get over ourselves. It's about the team. It's about scoring for Jesus right here before the Lord comes back. That's still not my message. I'm going to get somewhere since how that went over so good. Here we go. Here we go. Woo, here we go. All right, look at the next verse there. But he that lacks these things is blind. Well, I don't want to be blind. He cannot see afar off. I want to see afar off. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Why I taught on the millennium last night, he wants you to project and see far off that your future's wonderful. He said, you do these things, you'll see afar off. So then he goes on to say, if you can't see afar off, you've forgotten that you're purged from your sins, old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Now he's telling us something to make our calling and our election stable. He says, if you do these things, you'll never fall. Isn't it cool? God can tell you something that'll make you to where you're so stable that you never fall. Wow. And this is what I'm trying to get to is the latter part of this verse. Notice what he says here. It's good to know you can never fall. But then the next part there says, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, you do these things, it'll give you a triumphant entrance. Now, His blood gets you there. There's nothing you can do to earn your way there other than His blood, but you might as well have a decent entrance. He said this will give you an abundant entrance. If you can have an abundant entrance, that means you can have a non-abundant entrance. I talk about my dad. My dad mocked God, cursed God his whole life, took me to bars. Uh, He was an alcoholic. I mean, he he hated preachers, hated the Lord. I said, Dad, I got healed of asthma. I said, look, Dad, I don't have to have adrenaline every night. He still, still thought I was crazy. But you know what? He had a stroke, and I went into the intensive care. The, the right there after the stroke, walked in and said, Dad, time for you to get born again. He got born again and then went home to be with the Lord. So, so he didn't have an abundant entrance. <laughs> His entrance was like, oh, my God, I made it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you imagine mocking God your whole life, and the next minute, you know, you're in heaven, and the very thing that you were obstinate against, you're, you're seeing that mercy and kindness and goodness face to face. Isn't the Lord so merciful that you can live for the devil your entire life? And just like that, you step into eternal life. We all know people like that, don't we? Come on, so don't give up on them. Even though I might have been as ornerier than I should have been, I was constantly messing with my dad going, come on, you need to get saved. Why? I didn't want him to go to hell. So he didn't have an abundant entrance. My mom, I believe, had an abundant entrance. Dear Lord, you talk about a praying machine. We had nine people from our little town go to Rama the year I went to Rama because of my crazy mom. They mocked her, made fun of her, but every time they needed help, they'd call her for prayer. 
I saw her in 1973 or 4. I can't remember the year it was. I guess it was 74 because we went to the first camp meeting. I'm in the back room of her uh, uh, bookstore there, which we turned into a church. I see her go over and pick up this long-haired, wild, crazy guy that was full of devil, possessed the devil. His eyes were all going like that. My mom picked him up and threw him against the wall. My mom's five foot six, picks this great big old drug dealer up and throws him against the wall. I said, come out of him! And he came out of him. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's in our station wagon going to, going to Tulsa for camp meeting. I'm like, Mom, this guy's a drug dealer. You know, he hadn't made many alterations yet. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we doing having him in our station wagon going to Tulsa? We'll get him around the word. It'll change him. Well, I guarantee you my mom had an abundant entrance because of a thought pattern of being unselfish, a thought pattern of being bold. You talk about bold. I'm like, Mom, this guy's nuts, and you're throwing him up against the wall? Wow. Never forget as long as I live. Here's my little mom. Come out of him. Mom, he's like 6'2", and you're, you're throwing him against the wall. There's something about knowing who's really in you. My mom had something in her that far exceeded what that guy had in him. Amen. So we wanted abundant interest. Go over to Timothy. Grab your Bibles. We're going to go through quite a few verses. I won't keep you too long. So we'll, we'll bu buzz through a few that will bless us and encourage us and strengthen us. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. These are all verses I know that you know, but we'll rehearse a few before we get to my message. I'll tell you when we get there. This is the, the uh, entryway or uh, appetizer or whatever you want to call it. So we'll go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. These are verses you all know, but it's really cool to go through them. 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. It's good to follow after those things. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you're called, and you've professed a good profession before many witnesses. Wow. And he says in verse 14, you don't hear this commandment preached very much, so here's the commandment I want to preach. Watch this in verse 14. That you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's about to tell us something that we're to keep and to do without spot. That we're not, we're not faulty in this. We, we couldn't come behind in this. That we keep this. You don't hear this commandment ever preached. Keep this commandment without spot. All the way up until the rapture of the church. He said in verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works. Wow. Ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Watch this. Watch what happens. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, the Holy Ghost is saying here through Paul, do something while you're on the planet that you're laying hold to eternal life. And you keep that, that commandment without spot. In other words, you're making your life count. How do you lay hold on eternal life? Being rich in good works. Now, our group, we went so far to find out that works didn't get us into heaven because that's all we were taught for so long was if you do make enough pies or do enough good works, you can make it to heaven. No, His blood gets you there. And then our group kind of sat down and said, well, there's nothing I can do to earn my way, so I'm just going to chill. No, no, no. All the more, you need to keep this commandment without spot so you can lay hold on eternal life. And what is that? Rich in good works. I think of John Wesley. Remember what he said? Give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. Wow. What did he leave his wife when he went home to be with the Lord? A cool kind of you know, crazy preaching robe, a few pound notes of money. Oh, the other thing he left, I can't remember, the Methodist church. 
house preaching out in the middle of nowhere in Russia. I mean, it's just beyond where people, the church I preached in, there's no heat. You have a jacket on and gloves, freezing. You can see the breath inside the church. We went another few hundred miles out that way in this van. Get out there, and I saw this concrete bunker. I said, wow, an underground bunker for nuclear weapons. They said, no, 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 that's a Methodist church out in the middle of nowhere in Russia, headed towards Siberia. And there's a Methodist church, all because he said, give me 10 men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. It's just like that preacher that was in South Africa. You remember the story. You've heard it many times. It's a great story. Preacher's over there in South Africa starting churches away from his family, you know. Months he's there starting churches. I think he started 500 churches. He's on the way back to America, and how cool he's excited to get back to the U.S., you know. Uh, The first thing you see, man, when you're overseas, you can't wait to see that sign on the back of that plane, American Airlines, glory to God, amen. I remember one of the first times I came from Russia, I couldn't wait to see McDonald's, hallelujah, amen. Uh, My Russian pilot, I was on Aeroflot, I was on the plane, got on the plane there in Helsinki, and and there come a goat, there come a chicken, there comes dogs, and and that's that's on the airplane. Next thing you know, this lady blows a whistle, next thing you know, this fighter pilot takes off in this plane, my seat was not bolted down to the floor, my seat flew back like that, and I reached up and grabbed this curtain, and I thought, thank you, Jesus, we don't live in Russia, Amen. And then when you come out of there, the first thing you can't wait to see is the U.S. of A. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless our country. Amen. So, so the, the preacher's been over there in South Africa for all that time, and he's going to come back. He gets into the harbor in Miami. He's rowed by boat, and there was an actor on the boat that had been on a safari there in Africa. And there's a huge ticker tape parade there to meet, meet that, that actor that had been on safari. And that preacher said, man, this guy's been on safari, and there's this huge parade and everything. You know how the ticker tape back then is what it was? They're all there to greet that actor who's been on safari. That's wild. I said, Lord, I've been trying to give my life for you, and there's nobody here to greet me. You know what the Lord said to him? Don't worry, it's because you're not home yet. See, we're, we're blessed here, but you're just passing through. Thank God for the blessing that we have here, but we're not done. There's coming a time right after the rapture of the church is this going to hit you right between the eyes that everything that you did and could have done on the earth was going to count for eternity. Wow. Mm, good night, everybody. Drive safely. <laughs> it gets the gears moving right there. So let's look at it. You want to look at it? Let's look at what's going to happen to you just after the rapture of the church. And it's all good. It's all fun. It's not bad. Let's watch what happens. What's our next appointment just after we hear that trumpet sound? Man, I can't wait. Won't that be cool? All of a sudden, this mortal's going to put on immortality, never get tired again, never gain weight again, never be bored, never be... Just think when cars are driving in front of me and they're not driving fast enough, I probably won't get mad anymore. Hallelujah. Because that's my number one, number one agitation is the speed limit 70 and someone's driving 50. That ought not be. Come on, amen. So I think in that glorified body, I'll be a little bit more patient. Come on, praise the Lord. So just what happens, go over to 1 Corinthians, and just look at this, because I want to get somewhere. I'm trying to get somewhere, so we'll get there. Look at your next appointment. Probably the most important thing we could talk about in your life is your next appointment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at this. What happens next just after the rapture? It's called the reward seat of Christ. In the Bible, it calls it the judgment seat of Christ. That's a mistranslation. It's the Greek word bema, B-E-M-A. It means reward seat. They get that word from when the Olympics, when someone competes and they get a gold, silver, or bronze, they go up on the bema. It's called the podium, the reward seat. Have you ever seen anybody in the Olympics go, oh my God, I'm going to get a gold. I can't do it. I'm freaked out. No, they're excited that they've been given their life and they're about to be rewarded for what they earned. They're about to be rewarded for what they earned. 
They're about to be rewarded for what they earned and how hard they worked. Your next event just after the rapture is, He's going to reward you for what you did while you're on the earth. And the wonderful thing is, if you did things to be seen of men, that's gold. <laughs> it's, uh, if it's not to be seen of men, it's gold, silver, and precious stones. But if it's to be seen of men, it's wood, hay, and stubble. So we don't want bonfires at the reward seat of Christ. Amen? People, kawoof, what was that? You know, Brian's not in here, but you know it'd be probably Brian's uh, time at the reward seat. No, I'm just kidding. Come on. You don't want people going, did you see that fire? I've never seen anything like that in my life. So let's look at it. We don't want that. We want our life to count. So watch what he says here in 1 Corinthians 3. Go over to verse number 6, I believe it is. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So, you know, sometimes we get caught up in, well, if I had that job to do for the Lord, I would be more faithful. No, it doesn't matter what he's giving you, just be faithful in whatever he's giving you. And you get the same reward as Kenneth Hagin, same reward as Billy Graham. If the Lord, come on, if the Lord told you to run the camera, you'll get honored just like Kenneth Hagin. So here he goes on further and gets even more detailed. Watch what he says in verse 7. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that water. Well, he kind of takes the wind out of yourself right there. You still ain't nothing, but you might as well do something for the Lord. But God gives the increase. Don't you love that? We were talking about that today. You know, it seems like when someone starts, the Lord starts using them, they start having that Barney Fife anointing. They start walking around like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have friends in the ministry that have one miracle and they start walking different. Oh, yeah. I had a miracle last week. Like they had something to do with it. It's like the donkey riding into Jerusalem. Can you imagine the donkey riding into Jerusalem? Check it out, man. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's throwing their palm branches down. It's not the donkeys. Who's riding in on the donkey? That's where that word came from. The Lord's still using donkeys to this day. Well, good night, everybody. Drive safely. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's go a little further. Watch, he's going to get clear. So verse 7, So neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that water, but God gives the increase. But now he that planteth and he that watereth is, are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Man, I don't like that word. Labor. So your rewards are going to be tied to your, your sleep habits? No, to your labor. Okay, let's go a little further. That went over good. According to the grace of God, well, let's go to verse 9. We are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another build thereupon, but let every man take heed or pay attention how he builds. So he's telling you to lay hold on eternal life, and here he's telling you to pay attention to what you're building. In verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And now he's going to get down to the itty-bitty details of it. Here we go, verse 12. Now if any man build on this foundation, gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work, circle the word work, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. What you've done for the Lord is going to preach for you when you're standing there on that podium. It'll declare it. It'll be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work, circle the word work, of what sort it is or how valuable it is. Look at verse 14. If any man's work, circle the word work, abides which you built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work, circle the word work. Look how many times he's talking about your work. If any man's work shall be burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. So he's talking about he's going to analyze your work at that reward seat of Christ. He's not going to analyze your sin. Sin was laid on Jesus. This is going to analyze the motive of your heart. Did you run the camera because you wanted to be cool, or did you run the camera because you love the Lord? 
So all of a sudden, your motives come to the forefront. What's so cool about that? He's going to reward you for your motives even when you want to be a blessing. You're going to get rewards for that. How cool is that? Even if you can't be a blessing, just wanting to and desiring to, that's the motive of your heart. He's going to bless you just because of that. And all the things that you did when you thought nobody was watching, the Lord's watching. He wants to bless you. He wants to reward you. Somebody says, well, you know, they didn't, they didn't talk about me. You know, I'm not uh, in the singing crew. I'm not in the ushers, but maybe I'm in that crew. The Lord sees every single thing you do. And you talk about a reward. So he, he's going to adorn you with gold and silver and precious stones. Gold's your devotional life. Hidden things of the heart. How much you tell the Lord you love him? Not necessarily my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me, but Lord, I love you. That's your devotion, okay? The Bible says silver. The Bible says the tongue of the just is choice silver. Your words either encourage or discourage. Make sure your words encourage everybody you come in contact with. It's eternal. So if you hadn't realized it or not, we're talking about living for eternity. I'm not living for right now. I'm looking for a, a builder. I'm looking for a house whose builder and maker is God. That everybody in the, in, in the scripture, their thought pattern was they knew they were passing through. Oh, come on. We're so close. To, to coming to this moment where we stand there on that podium. And you know what? Your wife's not going to be there with you. Your husband's not going to be there with you. You're going to be by yourself. But you know what? What you've done for the Lord is going to absolutely handle that fire. We don't want that bonfire. We want, we, want, we want people going, oh, my God, look at that. We want people going, did you see the gold and silver that came out of that? And what will happen is you'll put that silver, you'll put that gold on you, and everywhere you walk, what you've done for the Lord during the church age will preach you you'll have contrasting stitches on your on your coat here showing you came on tuesday night another little thread right there showing that you came on monday nights there'll be threads showing that you were midweek kind of people there'll be there'll be there'll be things on your robe uh preaching for you that you did what you were supposed to do there'll be a faithfulness there'll be a crown of righteousness there'll be a soul winner's crown there'll be all these different things that you'll adorn yourself with your faithfulness just like in the military you've seen a general you see a general on an airplane he's got four stars uh, people that are in the military don't even go up to say anything to him because they're they're reverencing his uniform and i've never seen a general go check it out i got the stars i'm a general look at all these badges of valor right here too it's all fruit I got great fruit. Look right here. Fruit, 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 fruit. No, their uniform preaches for them. You, you know they're the real deal when they got all that stuff on their, on their uniform. So they don't have to say anything. What they're wearing preaches for them. So you don't want to be walking around during the millennium in a Speedo bathing suit. I know I've said that a lot, but my dad, bless his heart, I'm going to be throwing robes at him. They're, they're, the Lord's going to give him a little outfit. My dad's going to go, seriously, this is it? <laughs> the Lord's going to go, that's it. <laughs> He's going to go talk to Joe. Joe, go, Joe, I may have an extra robe. I may not have done everything else right, but uh, when I worked for those other preachers, I gave my life for them. Yep. Amen. So that's what he's looking for is for us to give our life. And, you know, I heard people when I used to work for those preachers, they go, you let them take advantage of you. They're not taking advantage of me. I choose to serve. I choose to give my life. Come on. So there's something about doing something that's eternal. Etern that's what we're looking for. What a cool thing to all of a sudden we're raptured. We have, we, I'm sure there'll be a meet and greet time. I don't know how that all works. We have a meet and greet time. I'm sure everything will be completely flawlessly orchestrated. We'll get to see mom and dad. You'll get to see your loved ones. And, you know, the number one thing is we'll get to see Jesus. We'll probably look over and see the throne, the rainbow around the throne. We'll see the blood basin right in front of the throne, Jesus' blood that was poured out. We'll worship and we'll honor and we'll glorify him. The Lord goes, come with me. I want to reward you for what you did while you're on the earth. And, man, you talk about, oh, okay, here we go. And all of a sudden that fire is going to hit your life. You don't have to be afraid. 
You know, you'll never be humiliated. He was humiliated for you. Oh, you should shout on that. You will never be humiliated. He was humiliated for you. He was your substitute. This is all a joyous occasion. I've never seen anybody in the Olympics go, Oh, my God, I'm going to the podium. No! All of a sudden, those big old Russian weightlifters will get up there on that podium. They're big old guys, almost as big as Tim. Not maybe half the size of Tim, okay? <laughs> so they get up there lifting that weights, and all of a sudden, those big old guys, all of a sudden, tears start coming out because the, they play their national anthem. So their country that they're representing is presented there as they're getting their gold, silver, and bronze. You're about to get some gold, silver, and precious stones. So soon are we to step into that place where the Lord honors you for eternity. So in the millennium, people will look at you. They'll, they'll go, oh, wow, they did the will of God. They won't be jealous. You'll look at John Wesley's robe and you'll go, check that out. You won't go, rats, I wish I had a robe like that. No, you'll go, man, that man gave his life for the Lord. I'm sure there'll be soul winter robes. There'll be layers on your robe that'll preach for you. All right, with that, let's go a little further. Everybody okay? Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on. No, it makes you reevaluate your life. It makes you reevaluate. I can't even say it. You know what I'm trying to say. You evaluate. It's there somewhere. You check your life out. (laughs) Check your life out and see if it measures up to what it should be. Wow. There's that fourth grade education coming through again. Praise the Lord. I made it all the way through like Jethro. Ought times ought. Here we go. Go over to uh, Ephesians. I do a little ciphering for Colleen. She likes that when I do ought times ought equals whatever. Go to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And uh, it's impressive, you know, when you can multiply like that. <laughs> go, to, go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is so cool here. Ephesians 4. Now watch how the Lord breaks things into, into perfect... Uh, Uh, feasibility for us so we can get it. Ephesians 4, look at verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So he, he even puts an engine in you that says, I need to do something for the Lord. How cool is that? He doesn't like go, hey, you're on your own. No, he puts this motor in you that goes, I need to do something eternal. It's in you to do something for the Lord. And then he even magnifies it here in the next verse. Look at verse 11. He goes, well, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, Some pastors and teachers, what? For the perfecting of the saints for the work. For the perfecting of the saints for the work. For the perfecting of the saints for the work. Notice why God put gift ministries in the body of Christ. is so that we get preached to, so that we'll do something that's eternal. So that we're not naked when we stand there before the Lord. We go, man, I got some stuff for for Him, eternal things. So, you know, you think about uh, my daughter. I said it the other day. She goes, Dad, do you have to scream at everybody? Is it necessary? It's necessary! And that's not even my personality. My personality is, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Not, wah! But, but he put different offices in the church to scream at us. I, boy, I haven't said this in years. You can look at some friends of mine's Bible. I bet both of your son's Bibles. I, I always write in everybody's Bible. When are you going to get off your butt and do something for God? I wrote that in everyone's Bible I could for almost 30 years. I hadn't done that in a while. I needed to pick that back up. <laughs> So here, well, that went over real good. Here we go. Let's go through. <laughs> so he put these gift ministries in the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, hmm. for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man. Let's talk about that. He's not talking about mature there. We preach that as mature. The word perfect there is the word wholehearted. We come here messages so that we won't be half-hearted. 
And sometimes it takes different ministries and different offices to peel away some of the junk so that we'll be wholehearted. Everywhere throughout Scripture, God used people that were wholehearted. Noah, wholehearted in all his ways. Job, wholehearted in all his ways. Abraham, wholehearted in all his ways. God told Abraham, he said, walk before me and be thou perfect. It wasn't mature, it was wholehearted. Don't blow me off if I tell you you got something to do. Because that, that's the church right now before the coming of the Lord. I'm too busy to do something for the Lord. You're blowing him off. That's not wholehearted. That's half-hearted. Think about when I talked about a marriage. Could you imagine coming into the marriage? I'm standing there. Colleen's walking down the aisle. They've gone through all the stuff to get ready for it. And she's like, yeah, here we go. She's got her head bowed. I'm not very wholehearted about this, but I'm going to marry that dude. Another one bites the dust. No. I, 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 would, I would be like, that's your thought pattern? No, I'd want some wholeheartedness. If your bride wasn't that wholehearted, as she's walking down the aisle, something's wrong. There should be such excitement and such bliss. So he wants you wholehearted. But you, you can look through Scripture. Scripture will preach for you. Look in Scripture and see people that were wholehearted. Remember Paul? He was so wholehearted. He said, man, you talk about Jesus, I'm going to kill you. He said, i got letters with me. We'll stone you. And he did. He went right after Stephen. He was standing right there consenting to the death of Stephen. And the Lord goes, you know what? I can use that guy. <laughs> He's wholehearted. He's just wholehearted the wrong way. So Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus. Next thing you know, boom, Jesus is right there. And he said, dude, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You're not doing what you should be doing. And Paul goes, Lord, listen, first thing he said, called him Lord. When you meet the king, it makes an alteration. Lord, what would you have me to do? He didn't say, man, it's great to be in the family. He didn't do the chicken or the swan. I mean, Paul could have gone, oh, check this out. There's Jesus. He said, Lord. What would you have me to do? He knew Jesus wasn't standing there without a commission to accomplish something. So I don't know. I can't, I can't scream it loud enough. There's a commission for us. You can't get any more laden with destiny than the last few hours of the church age. <laughs> I would think an open heart surgery, it's not the beginning. It's not the middle. It's the end. Let's make sure his, his aortic arch is sewn in real good. Not like, hey, it's the end of the heart surgery. Let's chill. Can you imagine the cardiologist, a, cardi a thoracic surgeon, cardiologist? We've gone so much to repair his heart. Now let's just kind of... Da, 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 da. I, if I was a nurse or another surgeon, I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm hanging out. This is right here at the end of surgery. This is the most important part of the surgery. So that we don't close him up and walk off and he starts rupturing blood everywhere. So God raised you up for the most important part of the church age. Man, let me scream that. And I might even develop it with a little bit of Elvis. Maybe a little bit of, I don't know, something, Aerosmith. <laughs> Bring it into today's terms. Mm. He raised you up for the most important part of the church age. He loves you. Wants to encourage you. Wants to strengthen you. You know, years ago, hang with me. I'm, I'm getting closer to closing. I've got a few more verses we'll go through, but hang with me. Everybody with me for a couple more minutes? You're, you're okay with it? Anybody agitated? Anybody mad? Whatever. We've got to make sure we're like that church. Everybody, everybody, everybody okay? Is everybody all right? hope I didn't offend anybody. I have a friend of mine that was uh, a pastor up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. His name's Keith Johnson. He's a radical Texan. He used to pastor out in West Texas, out in the middle of nowhere. They pastored out in the panhandle. Now, this is how cool this is. You pastor out in the panhandle of Texas, and you know what? There's nobody there. Because you know what, you know what they make there? Nuclear weapons. They, all of our nuclear weapons for our entire country are made right there in the panhandle. Because if one was to go off, it wouldn't hurt anybody. There's nobody there. You could have, oh, we had a mistake. How many people got hurt? Nobody. Because there's just nobody living in the panhandle. 
Well, so of course, Pastor Keith ends up starting a church in the panhandle of Texas. And, you know, years ago, this is years ago, he needed some help with children's church. You know, they, they needed some volunteers to go back in and help with the kids. And you know how it is. Nobody really wanted to volunteer because they want to be in the service and they want to hear the word. I totally understand that. But uh, his, his nephew was there, and, and his nephew said, you know what? I knew he was going to call on me. If I didn't raise my hand, he's going to make me. You know how family is. Some of the nephew goes, I knew I had to raise my hand because if I didn't, he's going to make me go back there anyway, so I might as well volunteer. So come to the end of the service, you know, I need some volunteers to go help with children's church. I always say duct tape's all you need. A little duct tape, you can tape everybody up. <laughs> Which I love that they're doing the slip and slide on the side. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. But, you know, nobody wanted to volunteer, so that, that nephew raises his hand and goes, okay, I'll do it. He goes back there with the kids, and he goes, okay, if this is my lot in life, this is what I'm stuck with, I might as well be wholehearted. I might as well give it my all. He said, you know, if this is what I'm stuck with, all right, I'm going to start maxing it out. He started getting buses and busing kids from all around the area. I mean, buses, buses like you ain't never seen before. Buses everywhere. Kids. All of a sudden, they had a revival in the children's church because he said, okay, if this is what I've got to do, I'm going to mix some wholeheartedness with it. You know who I'm talking about? Willie George. That's how you got called into the ministry. Woo! Oh, God, it's all over me. It's in my hands and my feet. I got it all over me. No, he knew that if he didn't raise his hand, his uncle was going to make him go back there. Now, this is the cool thing. Ministries Magazine a few years ago said, who's gotten more people born again in our generation? I, number one, thought Billy Graham. Number two, T.L. Osborne. Maybe Reinhard Bonnke. No, Willie George. How do you get called? Mm. Oh, mm, oh, mm, mm, oh, mm. Oh, there, oh, there it is. There's that call. I sense it rising up in me. One of the persons in the last days is part of the church. Mm-mm. No, that's Faye's potatoes from What About Bob. That's not the call. Come on. I mean, mm, Faye, those are good potatoes. Come on. No. No, Willie knew that his uncle's going to make him go back there and be with the kids. So if it is our lot to be the last runners in the race, I'm going to be the fastest runner you've ever seen. I'm going to jump over the pews. I used to jump over all the pews, and I hadn't done it in a while. I think I'll do it tonight. Come on. I used to be crazy and throw things on people. Why? Because you want to get people's attention. Because you can be living just before the entrance of the king and be oblivious to it. And then when you hear about it, you go, well, that's cool. We're living right at the very end. Seriously? That's cool? No, let's, let's lean in. Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? Might as well get some cool stuff on your robe. Might as well get some cool threads. Can you imagine my, my dad's robe? Hmm. <laughs> All right, let's go look at a couple more verses. Closing right now, closing right now, closing right now. We're on, our, on the final approach. Closing, closing, closing. Here we go. Um, go to Titus. Titus, 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 Titus. Kmart, Kmart. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. KKKKK <laughs> Mark, here we go. <laughs> All right, go to Titus chapter 2. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, this is how it is as we go to Titus 2. I've told you the story before. I, how many of you thought when you were born that your parents had you to be slaves? <laughs> I didn't think that. I knew that. It was, not, it was not a think. It was like, I know exactly. I'm a slave. My mother was into flower beds, into mowing the yard. She wanted the yard perfect, wanted no weeds. So it was my destiny to mow, edge, and do flower beds. Flower beds everywhere. Not one or two. Not like most houses in the front and the back. Flower beds out by the road. Flower beds up this way. Flower beds by the fencing. Flower beds by the barn. Flower beds everywhere. 
Well, I didn't like that at all. And when I went to Raymond, I went to Raymond in 1980, and I traveled a couple summers with Mark Brzee, and I was, I was young then. I went on one trip when I was 15, drove from Shreveport to Kentucky by myself when I was 15. Bought my first house when I was 21, bought a Porsche when I was 21. I was crazy when I was young. I don't know what's wrong with me now. But anyway, so I get to Raymond, I'm 17. I went to Raymond, I'm 17, and you know, uh, I, uh, Mark was in South Africa. He was overseas or whatever, Mark and Janet. And I had this thought pattern to go check on their yard. So I go check on their yard, I get to their house, and of course their grass was like this high. And I thought, oh my God, what seed did I sow to reap this? How, how, how is it possible? I knew what I was going to have to do. I had got to clean his yard up for him. He's in South Africa. I mean, it took me forever to get the grass down to normal, just to get it to normal, then to take it off the sidewalk. It took me forever to make a groove on the sidewalk because it was growing over the sidewalk. They got back from South Africa. Man, this looks so good. Let's do some flower beds. It's <laughs> exactly what the first thing came out of their mouth. Of course, flower beds. <laughs> so for, for five years, brrr, that's what I did in the ministry, flower beds. Run tapes, run tapes and mow the grass. The thing I loathe. I didn't cuss, but everywhere I spit, the grass caught on fire. I'm telling you. <laughs> so it's amazing that, that, that God might have you do something that may not be what you just think is the coolest thing in the world. He's just trying to get you to tell your flesh to shut up. Amen. What happens when you tell your flesh to shut up? You get wholehearted. Your spirit, man, starts getting stronger. So go there to Titus. Look at Titus chapter 2. A couple of verses are going to bless you. Titus chapter 2. We don't go here very often, but look at verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's telling you something just before the rapture. Look for this. And he says, He gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That just means wild about good works. Wow, that's crazy. Look at this. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Mm, These things speak and exhort with all authority. Zealous of good works. That means whatever we need, I'm in. Before someone finishes this conversation, I'm in. I wouldn't like that with my mom. I need you to mow the back lock. I'm in. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I can be more wholehearted about working for the Lord. Come on, come on. So we have a destiny on this. Look at 1 Corinthians. Stopping right here, stopping right here, stopping right here. Promise, promise, promise. 1 Corinthians 15. This will bless you. Stopping right here, stopping right here. There's many more verses we could go to, but I, want you to, I don't want you to be here all night, and we'll go. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's see if we can find it. Remember, all of chapter 15 is about the rapture, about different kind of flesh of fish, flesh of birds. It says, just as you're born in the image of the earthy, you'll bear the image of the heavenly. And flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, either those corruption inherit corruption. He said, we'll be changed in verse 52 in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. The trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Wow. So watch what he says here in verse 58. Therefore... Therefore what? Because you're about to be raptured. Because you're going to be changed. Because your life is going to be altered in in an atomic second. You're going to step into the next phase for your life. Because of that, therefore, my beloved brethren, you there there in 58, you with me? Verse 58, there, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work. Always abounding in the work. Always abounding in the work. 
Always, when you're on the edge of the work, that's good. You want to be abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So your work will be tied to knowing that it's not in vain. Knowing that your work is eternal. Every time you open the door for somebody, it's eternal. Every time you give them just the right words they need to hear, it's eternal. Every time you do something for someone else, eternal. And you'll get a reminder of it in the next life. It'll preach for you. You'll look down at different things that are on your body and go, check that out. I didn't feel like doing that. And I told my flesh to shut up. There'll be a thread right there. There'll be a thread right there. And you, then you'll start kind of walking around in heaven, check the threads out. Hmm. <laughs> no. Won't that be wonderful to have your life count before we get there? And we have great, wonderful things ahead. But why not make preparation for the most important thing? So let's be wholehearted. You know, I'm, I'm stopping right now. I was in a meeting in Colorado years ago. I'm stopping. It's 8.15. I'm stopping, stopping, stopping. Tell me to stop. Tell me to stop. Get a hook and pull me off. I've told you the story before, but I was with another minister, and we were there in a meeting, and uh, it was, there was a luncheon going on. And uh, the ministers were all coming from all around for the minister's luncheon, and we're having great meetings. It was fun. This is like 1992. It was fun. And a friend of mine, actually, it was Mark Razee doing the luncheon. So I went back to the hotel to pick up my family and came back to get to the church. And there were, I could smell the barbecue because they were cooking barbecue. You, know, you could smell it. And I was like, wow. So I wasn't thinking about spiritual things. I'm thinking about coming back for the meeting. And all of a sudden, I had a vision. I saw Mark preach what he was going to preach before he preached on it. Out of Hebrews 11, 12, and 13, about laying aside weights and sins, which would so easily beset you. Next thing you know, I'm in the back of a ski boat. I grew up on the lake, so I knew what it was like. I'm in the back of this boat. And... Uh, I watched this pastor slalom skiing. Man, he was good. I mean, you can go to where you take certain feet off the rope and you're really having to stretch to get that buoy, you know. He was doing it. Man, he was cutting a rug. It was awesome. So I thought, wow, Mark's going to teach on that. Maybe that pastor needs to hear that. I don't know. I, none of my business. I'm just there to enjoy the luncheon. So, you know, Mark gets up and starts preaching out of the very thing I saw him preach out of before the service. That's called a word of wisdom. I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, we finished. He finished. And then the pastor of that church said, Joe, I think you got something. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. So, I didn't want to offend anybody, but I wanted to make sure I obeyed God. So I said, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. You know, I said, let's all kind of reassess our life. I was going to say reevaluate, but I couldn't say that while I go. <laughs> and I said, we've all got things we could lay aside, you know. So I'm kind of checking that brother out, see if he's going along with it. He was. He was awesome going right with it. So I just said, let's have a minute of consecration and dedication where we examine our lives to lay aside weights and sins that would so easily beset us and all that. Prayed for just a minute, and done, it's over. You know what the Lord said to me when I prayed, when I bowed my head? He said, never apologize for your message. So we're done, 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 over. I walked up to that pastor right after I said, hey, man, how's it going? He goes, good. I said, hey, you've been water skiing lately? He goes, no, no, I've been too busy. Oh, you know, I could miss it, man. I could miss it by a mile. I could miss it so far, it's scary. So we go out to the parking lot after we talked to everybody, and uh, I walked up to Mark. I said, nah, 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 nah. I heard you preach what you're going to preach before you preached it. Nah, nah, nah. And he was just messing with him, you know. He goes, really? I go, I go, yeah. I said, and then I had a vision. I'm in the back of this boat. Remember Elisha in the Old Testament went not in my heart with you when you joined yourself to the chariot? I'm in the back of this boat watching this guy ski. And, and Pastor Mark looked at me like that, and he started messing with his mustache. When you get him, you know, he goes, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Started messing with his mustache. And I go, what? He goes, well, I went up to that pastor and asked him to come to the meeting tonight. He said, I can't come to the meeting. I'm going into Denver to buy me a new water ski. And the guy on his staff said, didn't you hear what the Lord was trying to say to us today? Maybe you should lay aside some of your skiing. And that's not what the Lord was saying. <laughs> he said, oh, Jesus would have to appear to me before I do that. <laughs> well, the Lord wants him to ski better than everybody. The Lord wants, if, you're, if you're a solemn skier, he wants you to just be over the top. If you're a baseball player, he wants you to be over the top. If you're a fisherman, he wants you to catch more fish than everybody. Just don't put it ahead of your destiny. 
So the Lord was arresting us to get us to check out our lives. Kind of crazy. So what did the Lord try with first? Number one, the Word. Taught him out of Hebrews. Number two, word of wisdom. Number three, someone on his staff bumped him on the shoulder. So, so the Lord's trying to get our attention. It's not like God's mad at you. He wants that guy to ski so cool that he can go, I was the coolest skier in that part of the country forever. Well, God bless you. That's so good. Let's see how that holds up to eternity. So what, whatever we're doing, he wants you to have a blast. He wants you to have fun. Just don't put it ahead of your destiny. And I don't think I screamed loud enough about your destiny being the last runner in the race. You always have the fastest runner on the last relay. So the Lord says you're the fastest. Think of him seeing that you would be here to do this. So let's close our eyes. I, I preach too long. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this destiny that we have in our lives to finish our course. Thank you for all the wonderful works that this church does and every believer in it. Thank you for the gold, silver, and precious stones. Father, give them a glimpse of what their future is, that we, it's so worth it to do anything for you. We'll pray more. We'll be in church more. We'll be more merciful. We'll be more kind. We take this moment to lay aside weights and sins, things that would so easily beset us. And we look unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross. Father, give us some joy set before us so that we'll do more for you. I thank you for giving people a glimpse of what they'll have for eternity. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, in the old days, we'd all come down and the, the brother would hit you over the head and go be bold. And man, even with their rings on, I remember them doing that. How? That hurt. But uh, there's something about getting that driven into. So we don't need to do that tonight but I want, I want you to realize how much He loves you. He's about to see you. It'll be like a pep talk before you're getting married. You, know, you don't want the, the groom to tell the, the bride, hey, it's going to be bad. No, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so I don't think you need a pep talk, but I'm just excited for what you guys have done, what your lives have represented over the years. Think of the eternity involved in all that. I mean, we look at uh, the building, and that's great, and the lives is great. There's eternity at play here. So, so soon we're going to step over into that. So what a joy, what a joy. So let the Lord bless you, let Him encourage you, help you, strengthen you. Someone here, your sinuses are getting healed. You know, I, I, I don't even think about that. The Lord just said that real loud. Your sinuses are being restored. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's so cool. That's so cool to have your sinuses healed. <laughs> Amen. He just told me, I'm going to restore your singing voice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. You know, how, I, I'm silly because sometimes my message is so strong. So I, I, I try to blend a little silliness with it because it is kind of strong to go, hey, when are you going to get off your rear end and do something for God? This is what the Lord told me, and I'm stopping right now. This is what he told me years ago. Follow your fathers in the faith. Man, your fathers in the faith. Man, my ears perked up. He said, Kenneth Hagin, John Osteen, and George Hamilton. I said, George Hamilton, that's that tan actor. The Lord started laughing. He's messing with me. <laughs> it so caught me off guard. The Lord just told me to follow Kenneth Hagin, John Osteen, and George Hamilton. Because like, I like to get out in the sun. I took my iPad and went out and sat in the sun today doing my study because I want to be in the sun. So see, the Lord has a personality. He's joy. So even with all the seriousness of what we got to do, have a great time finishing out your course. And I believe you guys, you guys will build the helicopter pad, the runway, and everything you need to have, and, and just fly right in like Batman and just do it. Amen. Man, I'm so blessed that you want you. When you called me and said, "Would you come do this?" I said, "Extra meetings in the midst of all this chaos. Don't you love it?" That's how your pastors think. That's so cool. Amen. Thank you guys for coming and being here so faithful. 
and spending the time to hear the word. Have a wonderful rest of the year. It's going to be awesome, and we're going to get to see him extremely soon. Great joy. Look, look forward to seeing you here or on the other side. Have a great night. Thanks for coming. Give Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes. Thanks, Pastor Mike. <laughs>